Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Real Sports Guys. For Real Guys Talk Real Sports, RSG Renegade Radio. I'm your host, Marcus the Game Changer, one-third of the illustrious three-man booth. We are in the house uh, for a great show. We have a lot lined up for you all, so we're going to go ahead and jump right into this pod. Uh, again, you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate your patronage. Um, but before we get into the proceedings this evening, allow me to introduce the other two-thirds of the illustrious three-man booth. To the right, I got my man, D. Will. Holla at the people. What's up, my man? Hey, this is a big week for us. 
uh, big week for you and I uh, specifically. Man, I feel I feel real shook night right now, man. I feel I feel like I got some easy E in me. I feel like, you know, I feel like you know if uh, you don't want your your producer all in the video, you know, come death row. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> I dig it. You've been stretching your legs, man. You've been kind of flexing the uh, CEO COO role of the RSG kind of conglomerate. Um, you know, it's good to see my man stretching his legs and making some moves. So we have some pretty big things on tap this week. We're going to dig into that tonight as we uh, flesh out this podcast. Um, PhD right now is in the back. He's working. We have a special guest that we will unveil shortly. Um, But PhD is in the back, working the green room, getting the guests prepped and ready to join us. Um, We're going to talk tonight. We're going to get into some NFL Week 5 action. Um, We're going to talk, run you through kind of uh, the top teams, who's going to stick, you know, what's the, plat- we always do platinum or white gold, um, to quote the uh, Jay-Z line, the classic Jay-Z line, you got to be able to tell platinum from white gold, you know, the butter soft leather from the jacket on the fonts, you feel me, so we're going to do a little bit of platinum or white gold tonight, uh, we're going to do a little bit of ride or die. Uh, we're going to highlight a couple of players who, you know, their stock is maybe climbing, their stock may be dropping. We're going to talk a little NBA. We're going to run the gamut. We're also going to talk about some, the big moves that Suge has been working on behind the scenes. Um, but let's bring PhD back into the fold. PhD, what's good, man? Marcus, it's, uh, it's good to be back on the air. It's been a few weeks since we since we've been um, able to talk to the folks. And I'm just really excited about uh, the show we have coming up and just the different events and our guests and everything. So overall, I'm I'm really looking forward to everything. But a sidebar, I just want to remind you guys that in our fantasy basketball league, in the last 10 years we've been doing it, I've won five championships, and <laughs> including last year. So, so I just wanted to put you all out on notice because the NBA season, a lot of people don't, you know, it's, it's going to sneak up on folks, but it's coming up in a few weeks. And I just want to give you all so notice. You, so you're trying to put your Phil Jackson on. You, so you're trying to put your Phil <laughs> Jackson on. You're trying to floss on this. He's going for six. He's going for six this year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. So, all right. I just wanted to put that out there. All right. Now, uh, we, 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 go, we like to go deep into that one. Now, you got me focused now. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna have to. Okay. You didn't woke you didn't you didn't woke us up. You didn't woke us up on that one. Um, <laughs> and, and you know you know who sent me the text right? You know a couple of days ago, I hadn't heard a peep from anybody about doing fantasy hoops. You know who sent me the text like, are we doing fantasy hoops this year? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, you know. He wanted to defend that, that, that fifth straight title. <laughs> he wanted to defend that fifth title. I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad at you. I got nothing but love for you. <laughs> Do your thing, homie. <laughs> All right, I'm going to turn it over to D to bring in our special guest. Uh, Devon, why don't you take the wheel? Well, uh, many of you know I've been in the lab, you know, working on this concept, uh, Real Sports Guys Live. And, um, you know, you know, one of the things that I think would be really important to do in terms of, you know, trying to get us – uh, squared away in this is that um, if you've been paying attention to our Facebook, if you get on there, 
Um, you know, we're going to have a really important discussion um, in Madison, Wisconsin, um, really focusing on this intersection between, um, you know, race and society um, and the role of athletes um, in it. And, um, you know, I could think of no one better uh, to have this conversation than the, the two gentlemen that we're going to have uh, uh, have this conversation with us. But tonight I have one of them. Um, he uh, was uh, freshman of the year in uh, Big Ten, uh, Big Ten defensive player of the year, uh, won three Big Ten titles with the Wisconsin Badgers, um, and uh, went on to play for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. And uh, following, you know, having 108 tackles with eight starts, uh, he decided to walk away from the game. And um, I would say from a personal note, I had a chance to, kind of see him when he first came in for his commitment visit. I actually spoke there. He probably doesn't even remember any words I said. Cause I <laughs> think I spoke after Barry Alvarez and, uh, and Brett Bielema. Um, and then I had a chance to hear him in a graduate course I was in following uh, when he stepped away from the game. And so we have Chris Borland on the line with us. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Devon. Man, yeah, you probably don't remember. I probably didn't say anything any shockingly. I, I think uh, – <laughs> Barry spoke, then uh, Brett spoke, then I spoke, and y'all were probably like, where's the food? Um, <laughs> you and uh, we got moving. <laughs> yeah, 17 years old, probably had wide eyes, too. <laughs> yeah, you were just like, I'm here. Uh, yeah. I, I heard about you coming in. My a good friend of mine, Doug, he was like, you got you to gotta, you gotta see this guy. He's going to be great. Um, I watched you walk in the room and, and uh, was watching from afar. But uh, I'm glad you're here for this special event. I, I guess before we get into – what our RG Live is uh, going to be about. I, I would well, maybe talk a little bit about what you've been uh, involved in since leaving the game and maybe share with some of our listeners kind of what you've been working on. Uh, well, quite a bit. I think uh, it's been just over 18 months now since I walked away. Um, and I didn't realize, I think at the time, I was naive to what I was stepping into, uh, brain injury and, and uh, the concussion settlement with the NFL and a few other things are really contentious and um, maybe didn't, I couldn't fully grasp that until I had experienced it. But um, being in that world, I've also found, my, found myself in a position to affect some, some pretty neat changes. Um, been involved with, with Gridiron Greats. It's an organization that Mike Ditka started uh, to, to aid former players who were struggling. Um, we've been involved with a documentary film called Requiem for a Running Back. Um, and become close friends with the director, uh, Rebecca Carpenter. And um, things like that have been just a pleasure because um, I think you can find space where, uh, in a contentious environment where everything's agreeable. Uh, everyone can agree that, at least for the guys who are having issues, uh, we can come together and help them. I know not everybody's in consensus about um, the dangers of the game or whether the risk is worth it, but um, it's been a joy for me to be a part of efforts that. Um, look out for guys that came before me. You know, who? I mean, part of this, you said, you know, just kind of learning it. Who have you kind of leaned on as you've been kind of going through this process? You know, I, you know, I always say you got to have your board of directors. You know, who who, who have you kind of leaned on to help you as you kind of trying to really form your platform? Well, there's there's been a few close people, obviously my family, but um, I think you have to take note from people who've had similar experiences and. Uh, I'm the only person in my family to play in the NFL and, and certainly quit. So 
Um, I think Dave Megacy, uh, who was a high up in the NFL PA, he played in the 60s. Uh, he's been an excellent resource. I mentioned Rebecca Carpenter. Um, she was born into a football family and uh, played. her dad played for the Packers, and she's a Wisconsinite. So uh, there's some obvious, obvious synergies there. Um, they've been two great resources. Um, there's few people working in this round, but it's a tight-knit uh, group of people. So uh, everyone from Shannon Jordan, who's the executive director of, of Coach Dicta's nonprofit, to, to Rebecca and David, um, a few other former players who've, who've been outspoken. Um, so, yeah, I think it varies, but uh, I'm really glad to have those people in my life. Well, you know, we certainly are happy that you're also turning your attention to this important conversation we hope to have. Hello. Um, yeah, I guess you probably heard the news that Kaepernick is going to start one of your former teammates. Uh, that Kaepernick is going to start. Yeah. Well, he uh, he's a great player, and, and I'm sorry, I lost. I did lose you there for a minute. Uh, Feelings when you saw that he was going to start. Okay. Um, you know, it's different about about whether or not he's starting. I think his uh, it, it doesn't affect his message at all. Um, and a few, I heard a few sentiments where, where guys in the media were saying, uh, essentially, shut up, you're a backup quarterback. Um, and, I, and I don't think that's right. I, I think um, you have to admire anyone who has an informed opinion on something. And from everything I've seen, having not followed it closely, Cap uh, has been clear and direct and transparent and earnest and put his money where his mouth is. Um, so I, I respect him a great deal. And uh can vouch for his character as a teammate. Always got along very well with Cap. And, and we're not going to get too deep into this because we're going to get to, we're going to get deeper into it Thursday night. But the one thing I, I, I probably want to ask you, like this whole idea of um, athletes having a, a voice, and um, you know, kind of what you just said uh, around, you know, Trent Dilfer actually, you know, talking about him being a backup quarterback, and um, you know, kind of, you know, you know, shut up and just kind of be a backup quarterback. You know, what is it about, you know, how people frame this idea? You know, we spend a lot of time talking about uh, folks being student-athletes. Um, and so when they start to activate their student side, you hear this kind of resistance. You know, what, what do you think when you start to hear how uh, folks begin to kind of reposition athletes back into what they think they should be? Well, I think it, in many case it all, cases it often furthers the player's point. Um, you know, the reaction to Collins' protest has shown the need for his actions. Um, same thing with uh, – I've seen it a little bit with Nigel and um, and Bronson Koenig on the basketball team. When they take an action to speak up for themselves or for their people, um, there are those – most, I don't think, do it this directly, but there, there are those that overtly say, hey, get, get back in your place, um, where – every athlete at every level is a person too, and a person first. So I think um, I've got an immense amount of respect for guys who uh, take the initiative to inform them, themselves and stand for something. Uh, I think it's easy in this day and age for pro athletes to not take a stance. It's lucrative. And uh, I think guys want to retain marketable, but um, 25, 50 years from now, I, I think one less razor commercial and standing for something important uh, will speak volumes. Well, I, I'm not that, that right there says all you need to know. If you're in the Madison area, 
and uh, you're there Thursday night, you want to go to Carbon uh, World Health, uh, we'll be there having this conversation. You, you can hear it. I think it's going to go deep. Um, you know, Chris, I, as I said before, you know, um, when I thought about doing this live event, I, I really wanted to do it in a space near a campus. I want to have this kind of conversation. And uh, we are certainly uh, thrilled that you are, will be a part of this. Um, and, um, you know, I, I personally have, you know, as someone who in my day job uh, works in the College of Letters and Science, appreciates uh, uh, that as a history major, I believe you're a history major, you're what you're doing um, and, and the kind of thing that you're doing in terms of the Wisconsin idea. We we appreciate uh, the way in which you are living what I think is uh, what we'd like uh, UW grads to, to actually do. We appreciate that. Well, I, I greatly appreciate it, and I'm thankful for the opportunity. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for Thursday night. I grew up in Ohio, so I was probably 10 or 11 years old when Maurice was – Claret was doing his thing, and uh, you've seen the 30 for 30 with Maurice and uh, have an immense amount of respect for him. So I'm just excited to meet him, honestly, and then uh, the conversation should be great, too. Well, you know, thank you again, and we, we won't keep you long, but, uh, you know, take care, and, uh, you know, we're going to hit the ground here Thursday and make this happen. And so uh, welcome to the Real Sports Gods family. So great to be here. Thank you all. All right. Take care. Take care. That's Chris Borland. Uh, with us uh, uh, here tonight. He's going to be on our panel um, uh, on Thursday night in Madison, Wisconsin with uh, at Carbon World Health um, on Whitney Way. If you're in Madison, you need to come and check it out. It's going to be an incredible conversation. Um, we are um, uh, going to go get deep into it. And you can tell from his responses to just a few questions that I asked him that, um, you know, um, the you know, in RSG, we go, we we don't just gonna go layer with it. We gonna get deep. We gonna get surgical with it, and that's why we have people like Borland chiming in. Um, I think he's gonna have a lot to say and a lot to contribute to the conversation. And you know, we are are certainly uh, pleased to to have him in this space. You know, game changer. You know, I know you had a chance to sit back and listen. Uh, I know you're ready. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, shout out to Chris. Greatly appreciated. Uh, the kid, I mean, the young man um, has just uh, really taken his platform to another level. A um, couple of things that he, he kind of highlighted that I found really interesting. You know, as a parent, I've kind of talked about this on air before, and just I, the the kind of uh, conversations you hear around youth participation in football um, and the perceptions. Um, and I think that's something that's really difficult when you're having this conversation around the safety of football, um, people separating their perception um, from the reality on both sides of the argument, um, what people perceive as, as harmless. Um, there's data that says it might be a little bit more harmless than we maybe think it to be. Um, on the other side, people that think it's, it's really um, something that, that is uh, putting kids at risk. Um, there's also uh, a body of data that says, you know, it, it can be, but it may not be. Um, as dangerous as some people perceive, and so when you when you're dealing with that perception, um, as Chris said, it can be a really it, it, there's a really contentious environment um, surrounding this whole conversation, and it's and it's good to have somebody who is as insightful and articulate and engaging as Chris is, kind of um, a part of that conversation and investigating and and looking to find answers. Um, you always need those people who are at the forefront, um, trying to figure out. Um, 
the who and the who of the who and the what of the what um, in certain situations. Um, but again, you know, it just always gets me thinking about you know. This week there are a lot of stories about the ratings after these first couple of weeks, the ratings in the NFL and how the ratings have been um, lower than they have in the past, and a lot of the conversation has been around um, the, the uh, national anthem protest. Um, and, and now it seems like the league has and the media coverage has moved away from covering them. Um, I'm sure with a little bit of a, a nudge and a wink from the league, like, hey, we think this might be driving down ratings. Let's not cover this anymore. Um, but I think it's deeper than I think. I think that's a convenient scapegoat. I think there may be a larger issue at hand, and I think the NFL kind of recognizes that. Um, if you have paid attention in the last couple of days, um, there was a uh, a story out that the NFL is, is banning uh, or going to be fining teams who are um, streaming games from their stadiums. Um, and, and, and finding teams with a with a, 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 a progressive scale of fines for teams who do stream portions or parts of games. I think the NFL is worried that they're going to lose their TV share, their their market share of the TV market because of live streaming and other avenues. And the NFL also has to begin to come to terms. And we've kind of talked about this off air. When we grew up, Madden was the game to play, right? Madden, video games, I think, play a big part of it as far as getting people kind of hooked into sports. Um, FIFA is now bigger than Madden, the FIFA series, and the NBA 2K series is also bigger than Madden amongst young people. Kids don't. I work in high wow. school. Kids don't talk about getting after each other in Madden anymore. They just don't. They're talking about do you have 2K skills. What can you do to me on FIFA? When we were in the cafeteria, it was all I'll destroy you on Madden. I'll do this. I'll do that. So you can't touch me in Madden. And I think <laughs> you're getting a generation of kids who are now looking at these other sports. And partly because they're not playing football as much either. Um, you know, football was a game that as kids we played just like in the backyard. I, I remember, you know, I've, I've run into mailboxes, I've run into trees, I've run into electrical boxes. <laughs> That's right. Playing backyard football. You know what I mean? That's right. And you don't see that very much anymore. Having a son who is 11 years old, you know, him and his buddies aren't getting together, and he plays football. And him and his teammates aren't, like, getting together and playing, like, Sandlot football anymore. Football has become something you only do at the football field during practice. And, you know, I think there's something to that. Um, There's something that's changing about it. Um, And, you know, also, Sunday night is is a a popping night for TV. (laughs) Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? You got your, your shameless Ray Donovan. All uh, Walking Dead, all of these great primetime TV shows are all in that Saturday, that Sunday night TV slot, and that's where you're seeing the lower numbers are the Sunday night games, Thursday night games. You're going up against Shondaland. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got how to get away with murder and scandal. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's hard to get the wife to change from those, and the games be kind of boo-boo. <laughs> the games kind of yeah. suck. <laughs> so... There are a lot of elements to this that I think that's what's making it a contentious conversation is I think it's, it's, if you're projecting as, as NFL business people, you might start to think that your bottom line may be um, less Teflon than you thought it was. And I think they're seeing that with the decline in numbers that there are factors and there are things that will impact whether or not people are going to watch football. Um, and I think this has been building. Um, there's a lot of discontent with Goodell. 
Um, there's a lot of discontent with just some of the image, the images of football, some of the things that they do, um, the way they handle certain situations as far as suspensions and things of that nature, and the discipline and, and the actions that the players are getting into. Um, and then it's just, there's just more going on. So I think, you know, does that mean football is going to fall off anytime soon? We're probably 15 to 20 years away from really seeing any sort of a ripple or impact. But I think there there are waves there, and I think the NFL is noticing that. And that's why they put this ban on the teams themselves being able to uh, broadcast or stream footage or uh, uh, footage from games um, from the stadium um, because the NFL wants to get back in control of all of its media so that they make sure that they're benefiting from it and there's no – that whatever loopholes may exist where people aren't watching on TV, they want to close those loopholes right away and make sure they're keeping that TV money. So that contentious conversation, though, I think starts with, and they're, they're saying it's the it's the uh, it's the uh, anthem protest, but I think it's a it's a larger kind of movement that is going around football, and a lot of football people are not going to acknowledge that, and I get it. It's their sport. It's the thing that they love. I love football too. But I don't have that kind of visceral connection. I played a little bit of football, but I didn't live and die. I didn't define myself as a football player, as a kid, or as an athlete um, in high school, and I didn't play in college. So, you know, I don't have that, like, visceral level of this is my game, um, you know. And I think folks who this is their game are kind of they're, – they're bucking that. And they're saying, no, there's nothing wrong with that. To an extent, I agree. I let my child play. Um you know, I think if you're taking hits to the head for, you know, from high school up through college through the pros, yeah, you're going to have some problems. But if you're just playing high school football and you're being taught good technique, and I think most coaches are trying to teach good technique and there is a ton of awareness around how to hit um, the, appropriate, uh, the appropriate way to tackle, the appropriate way to t- protect yourself when you're running the ball, kids can be safe. And most kids, you know, again, I'm talking these standby games. I, I, I can remember. I know for a fact I've had four or five concussions <laughs> as a kid playing standout football, running in the mailboxes, hitting my head on, you know, ice, um, you know, electrical boxes, things, fences, things of that nature. Um, I can remember several times blacking out, waking up with my with my guys, looking over like, you all right? Um, and I think I'm fine today. <laughs> my wife may have a different opinion, but, you know. Uh, what was your impression of the uh, interview, PhD? I liked it. I um, two things I really took away from it. First, you know, Borland, uh, Chris Borland said quickly, "Hey, I had a good experience with Kaepernick. He was a great teammate." And to me, that echoes what a lot of current players have said about Kaepernick as a as a teammate. It was interesting a few weeks ago that. There was a, a Gallup call or something that came out that said that Kaepernick was the most hated or disliked player in the NFL. Also, that same week, it came out that he his his jersey sales were leading the NFL or was you know right up there with the with the leaders in terms of jersey sales. And to me, those were two conflicting pieces of data there, information which told me that, well, in a certain demographic, he may not be like the type of people that are buying things from NFL.com, generally speaking, or are the, you know, the people being questioned um, about, you know, NFL fans about Kaepernick. However, 
based on what he's doing, there's this whole new demographic demographic of people that are kind of like, who is this Colin Kaepernick? I'm not a huge football fan, but I can dig what he's doing. Let me get one of his jerseys. And so, to me, this whole issue has been really, really interesting based on those two things. And then the second thing is, um, I think Borland is a trailblazer. And this is yeah. a guy who came into the Big Ten freshman of the year. You know, his last year, he's the player of the year for the conference. As a rookie in the NFL, you know, the guy that's getting 100 tackles, um, is a rookie of the month, um, play, defensive player of the month. I mean, this is a guy that excelled his first year, but he decided that he's going to let it go over concerns of head trauma. You know, he says, quote-unquote, that playing football is inherently dangerous. This is trailblazing type of behavior that I believe we're going to see more and more athletes that kind of understand that, hey, this this is not worth the risk. This science stuff and this evidence that we're seeing, I'm going to make a decision that is against the grain, and this, you know, I'm young, I have other things I could do, and it's not worth the risk. I really admire him for doing that. I remember just hearing that story, and I'm like, wait a minute. I remember starting that guy a few times in my fantasy football league because either Bowman or Willis was hurt. And, you know, this, this is a guy that had a ton of potential, but this is kind of cool that he made that decision. He didn't really care about, you know, what's the quote-unquote thing that football players do or, you know, hey, I'm going to play until they cut me or years and years and years or until I can't walk. And he, like, he just made that decision. And, you know, I was talking to him offline, and it's really nice to see the different things that he's doing, as he said, to try to make a change and make positive change. So um, I really enjoy having him on. I'm looking forward to RSG Live. Man, yeah, y'all got me over here emotional. Yeah, D. Wills, props to you for putting all this together, man. I mean, this guy has been being the puppet master behind the scenes. He's pulling all the strings, pressing the right button. You know, he, he he's pulling the lever. I mean, he's like uh, Richard Pryor in the Wiz. You know what I mean? He's back there rocking it behind the curtain. <laughs> Killing it. <laughs> oh, I can't do it with y'all. So I'm losing. Uh, you know, game changer, you're going to be in the building. And Phil has been in my headset. <laughs> I call him in the press box, and he gives me a little bit of. You know, you know, uh, watch out for that blind side. So it, it's a family affair, y'all. It's Wu Tang forever. Yes, it is. Well, you're listening, so be sure to check that. If you're in the Madison area, make sure you come check us out. Um, D Wills, you want to kind of uh, lay it out one more time where we're gonna be at, um, time, location, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So the doors are gonna open uh, for folks at six thirty. Uh, it'll be at three four zero South Whitney Way in Madison, Wisconsin. It'll be at the Carbon World Health. In fact, we're going to have uh, the uh, the uh, owner on here in a little while tonight. He'll, he'll throw some more stuff at us in a minute. But, uh, you know, Carbon, 630 opening, uh, the doors, 7, 7 o'clock showtime, 340 South Whitney Way. This thing might be liver than game day. Game day going to be in town. You might see Herb Street in the building. All right, you might see. All right, I already got the local uh, 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 ESPN cats coming in. 
they already going to be in the building. They already registered. You know, they're doing it underground. You know, they can't let people know they're going to be in the building. But you know, they know us. They're going to be in there in disguise. It's going to be hot, y'all. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it, man. This guy, this guy right here. So, my man D. Will right. pulling this thing. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We're about to get into some NFL uh, Week 5 action. We're going to break it down um, like we always do about this time. So, fellas, Week 5, we're at the quarter mark, um, just on the other high, other side of the quarter mark. We've had the first round of buys. Um, there's a lot of information. You, you can start, you're starting to see the picture become clearer about who's who and what's what in the league. Um, so we're going to play a little platinum, a white gold. Um, as we look at teams who are uh, some of the top teams, teams are on top of divisions right now. We've got Seattle, Atlanta, Minnesota, Dallas, Oakland, Denver, Houston, Pittsburgh, and New England. Of these teams, which three do you feel like are the most likely uh, to stay on top, or which of these three are the most interesting teams to you? So you can take this a couple of different ways. You can go with teams that you think are going to just stay on the top of their division and, and they kind of got a good shot to run away with it, either because of their greatness or the weakness of the division, or some teams that you just think you just want to give them a little shine. They're doing well. You want to kind of highlight what's going on with them. I'll start with you, D. Wilkes. Well, I'll go with because I think there's some teams that are pretty obvious that will have staying power. The three interesting teams for me is Atlanta, Dallas and Oakland. Now I had Oakland. I think we did our preseason. I had I had hyped Oakland up to to make the playoffs. But those three teams that have interesting stories. If you think about Dallas, you know it's the it's the quarterback controversy in a sense. You have this young quarterback and that who is just fundamentally sound, not making any mistakes. It feels like second coming of Brady. You know your star quarterback goes down, and it's the question of whether or not. They had to do what New England did when Brady was the starting quarterback and kind of ride him. And, uh, I mean, Prescott is just – but it's what Mississippi State. I mean, I was impressed with him at Mississippi State. Um, and just, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting direction to see where they go uh, with that. Atlanta. Atlanta has been like – they've been like the, uh, the, the ten man. You know, it's like no heart – they got all the other stuff. Their defense used to just, uh, you know, uh, be like a, a breakaway train. They couldn't stop anybody. Matt Ryan, a lot of questions about what he's doing. And then Julio Jones it puts up incredible numbers, and their, their offense is off the hook. Um, and they're, 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 they're making people look bad. But do, is it staying power? Is it something? Is it fool's gold? I'm not quite sure. In Oakland, I said this last year, I think they're the one that's built on the right stuff. Del Rio's that old school coach. I think they, they they feel like they're going back to that old Raiders type of attitude, physical, running the football, you know, um, not getting caught up in the Al Davis vertical game too much. Um, uh, but I think they have staying power. Those three teams for me are, are really interesting and, uh, you know, have the components to be long-term staying power. But also, you know, you can see in two weeks that uh, having them just uh, fall out of wherever they are. Okay, yeah, and, and you know, 
we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but the the thing that Dak, what Dak is doing in uh um in Dallas and what's going on with uh, Carson Wentz in Philly, and you know Paxton Lynch looked good last week, not so much this week. Um, but just we we got to talk about just what's what's the realistic expectations for rookie quarterbacks? That's going to be an interesting conversation. That's something we're going to get into in a little bit. PhD. Uh, of those teams that are leading divisions, which are the most interesting? Which are the ones do you think are going to stick? Um, Minnesota is by far the most interesting. How the heck are they uh, undefeated? Right? Is Minnesota five yeah. or are they four and one? Yeah, they're undefeated. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at it on the screen that they're five and zero, but I'm thinking that there's an issue with the NFL.com website because it says that they're five and zero. Given that, <laughs> given that they have lost one of the best linemen in the game in Khalil Peterson, one of the top running backs, the quarterback Teddy, the guy that was really expected to take that leap. In his second year, now all of a sudden they have filled in all those holes, and they are five and zero. I don't get that. That is so interesting, um, and also I think that they are more, more like one of the more likely teams to also win their division uh, and not just get to also early start and, and flame out because the Chicago looks a mess. We're talking about starting Brian Hoyer over Cutler when Cutler's healthy, neither one of those, you know, like we talk about option one and one A, that's option five and five A. That That's just not a good look, look with Chicago. Detroit, the Lions are the Lions. And Green Bay, you know, I don't really see them pushing um, to win that, that division. And, you know, I see Minnesota – uh, either taking a split in those games against uh, Green Bay or winning both of them throughout the year. So um, I think Minnesota actually has a better chance to stay on top than uh, Seattle or any of these other teams you mentioned. And you're right. What Minnesota has – I've had the chance to watch a couple of games. Being I'm in that time zone, and, you know, I've had a chance to watch them play a couple of times and – you know, one, it speaks to their, uh, the management and their roster depth. You lose Adrian Peterson and you use your young, you know, quarterback of the future, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, and you're able to start a season 5-0 and zero with a guy who came in the week after that your, your quarterback gets injured and uh, you're winning games. Um, it's a testament to Sam Bradford. I mean, his resilience and the fact that he's kind of – and, you know, Quiet is kept, depending upon how Bridgewater comes back, he may not get this job back. Um, you know, if they continue to win, um, you know, he may not be able to unseat, um, especially with the kind of injury he had. It's going to take him a while before he's back. And Bridgewater wasn't an amazing athlete to begin with. Um, there was some questionable arm strength. If he doesn't have – if he can't get the drive on his, in his legs because of his knees, you know, that may affect his effectiveness and – we may see Bradford become the quarterback, the guy in Minnesota for the foreseeable future. Now, I agree with you. I think that that Minnesota team, I think Minnesota to me has the has the tightest grip on their division. And part of it is the other teams, but part of it is the way they're playing. They're playing ex- – and, and, and there's a team that kind of catches this, and it was Carolina last year. They kind of catch this, like, 
uh, the Zeke guys, where they kind of they get turnovers, they make plays, and they just kind of have that 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 wave. They they they've caught that wave where they're just making plays all the time, and things just seem to go their way. Um, and Minnesota has kind of harnessed that 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 wave right now. Um, you know, their defense is is, is scoring. You know, their offense doesn't have to do too much. Uh, it's, it, I like what they're doing. I like the formula that they have. Um, the other team I think that is really interesting, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, Big Ben is playing some of the best ball of his career. Uh, their offense is just scary. I mean, with Bell back in the fold, Big Ben is throwing it around. And, you know, quiet is kept. The Steelers have done a great, great job of drafting wide receivers. They really have. I mean, you go back, they had Plexico Burris and Heinz Ward um, in the early 2000s, which then led to uh, Mike Wallace and a young Antonio Brown. And then as Wallace became began to age out, Brown steps in and he becomes the best receiver in the league. Um, and now you got, you got uh, Martavius Bryant, who if he can stay off the, uh, the extra stuff, if he can kind of limit his extracurriculars, He's an unbelievable talent. And you got Sammy Coates, who is balling right now. Um, they hit on wide receivers a lot. Um, and they've got some talent on offense. The, uh, they're, they're really strong up front. Um, and defensively, that young defense is really starting to take shape. Pittsburgh is pretty scary. Uh, Pittsburgh is pretty scary. I think they're in it for the long run. Um, and Big Ben is playing some of his best ball. And there are some teams and some quarterbacks that we've talked about, like, these guys are needed to take another step. These guys were talked about as like that next tier after over the last five or six years or so that Manning, Breeze, Brady, Rogers, and then there was Big Ben. I think Big Ben has like he's he's in that mix for real. There's not like and then there's Big Ben. It's like you need to be Brady, Breeze, Rogers, Big Ben. Um, he's established himself. And Matt Ryan, it was kind of, he was kind of in that limbo spot where his career could go either way depending upon how this year went. And I think he's going to have at least, at worst case, he's going to have a big numbers year um, where he's going to put up major numbers. Um, and maybe he gets over the hump. Maybe he doesn't. But um, he was at that point, he was at that tipping point in his career where he had to kind of show whether or not he was going to be a true franchise quarterback going forward if they were going to need to start to rethink things. Um, another guy who, who, who is kind of in that situation is Andy Dalton. He's got to start to really um, show himself to be a guy who can get that team over the hump or else they're going to have to start thinking about moving in a different direction and, and, and figuring out where to go from, from here. So, um, you know, Minnesota, I think, is going to, is going to hold, hold suit and hold that division down, and I think Pittsburgh is going to hold their division down. I want to shift gears and have this conversation, kind of talking about quarterback play. You know, thinking about the rookie quarterbacks and what our traditional expectations are for the rookie quarterback, particularly the one who plays right away, we don't expect a ton. Um, the question I find myself asking myself as I'm watching these rookie quarterbacks come in and play really well, and we've seen it from Cam Newton. Matt Ryan started as a rookie and was effective. Um, Eli Manning played as a rookie and was okay. Andrew Luck, Jameis Winston, um, where it wasn't just a disaster. Like, in previous eras, you, you saw a rookie quarterback come in and you just were like, they're going to stink. They're going to have to take their lumps. The quarterback's going to suck. 
but then he can if he figures it out, he's going to be great. Where now it seems like Mariota, guys are coming in right off the bat, and they're figuring things out. Um, is it fair to say that we need to raise our level of expectation for rookie quarterbacks? What do you think about that concept, PhD? D. Wills. Well, what do you think I, about I would that? say this. Um, you know, <clears throat> I don't know if we want to get too carried away because, um, you know, I think for every one of those, there's a, another young quarterback that's struggled. But I think the things that's probably similar about the ones that have been successful is um, there's a level of patience. So if you look at how some of these young quarterbacks are playing, um, their willingness, um, and, and, and maybe they're just coaching up better, to to do the check downs. You know, they're not um, – you don't see them forcing things. And so you see you – see, um, um, the teams you see doing it with, with Prescott probably being uh, the outlier, uh, look at the other teams. The other teams have pretty good defenses, and so what they've got, they've convinced the, the, the rookie quarterback to do is to make the available play and then allow for playmakers to, 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 to make it work. And, and they're, they're, they're showing that they're coachable. Um, and so I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't necessarily say we need to raise – the bar um, as much as I would say that um, uh, people are doing a better job of game planning for their quarterback. I think it's a combination of the quarterback, but I think it's a combination of how they're laying out the playbook um, and um, what they're doing and how putting them in situations where they can be successful and knowing what, what, what their strengths are and playing to those strengths. And uh, in addition to, um, putting the defense and the special teams. So you see those teams play like all three phases are playing well um, and not putting the, the, the young quarterback in a position where they have to win the game all the time and so they can gain confidence. So I think it's, it's a combination of things. Um, but I think the one thing is that all the players are, are smart. You know, they're, these, are, these are guys that are smart. And then I think in, you know, Jameis and, you know, Marietta is, having a little bit of doubt he's coming back, is that some of these quarterbacks have also played in systems where coaches have used pro concepts. So even for Dak Prescott, I think, even though, you know, some of the things he did down at Mississippi State, I think the way in which he was coached by Mullen was in a way that um, you would want to coach a pro quarterback in terms of check downs and other things. Those fundamentals, his, his footwork, those things are, are, are there and they are translating to the league in a way that is helping this transition. So going back, right, going back to 2008, you know, I'll list off the quarterbacks who have uh, – were taken in the first – and just do first-rounders. Um, so 2008, you got Matt Ryan, Joe Flacco. Um, 2009, um, and I think both – you consider both of those hits. You know, Flacco mm-hmm. got his team to a Super Bowl – won a Super Bowl. Matt Ryan has been a staple for the franchise um, for his entire career. Um, 2009, Stafford and Sanchez. We consider Sanchez a bust. I think Stafford has been solid. Um, 2010, Bradford. Um, Bradford, you know, I mean, he he didn't work out for the Rams. Until this year. Yep. 
He's he's doing he's doing his thing this year, but he's not with the team he started with. Right? So that team that wasted that number one overall pick on him really got nothing. Didn't get a ton for him. Um, then the next year in 2011, you got Andy Dalton and Cam Newton. Um, 2012, you got Andrew Luck, RG3, Tannehill, Brandon Whedon, and Russell Wilson. Um, you consider Newton and Dalton hits. Um, Luck is a hit. Um, RG3 was a hit for his rookie year, but a miss after that. Uh, Tannehill. Uh, he's he's kind of a a wash. Um, he's a wash. Yeah, and it, yeah, I, I don't know what to think about him yet. Um, Wheaton, that was a failure, and then Russell Wilson was a definite hit. Um, twenty thirteen, two swings and a miss. EJ Manuel and Geno Smith. Twenty fourteen, Derek Carr. He started as a rook, um, and then twenty fifteen, you got Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. As of right now, both of those looks like look like hits. Um, so the thing that this has got me thinking is that, like, if a guy doesn't get it done nowadays in his rookie year, he's probably just not good. You know, like, and that's why I think we need to switch up our expectation. Like, you can be good your rookie year, but if you're bad your rookie year, you're usually just going to be bad. Like, there aren't a lot of guys who come in and aren't good that first year who then later on figure it out, which was kind of our expectation in the past was that the rookie QB would come in, struggle, and then figure it out years later. None of the guys I named were awful their first year that were good, that we would say were hits. None of the guys who were hits who played their first year were, were, were bad that year. The guys who were bad were just bad. They just weren't going to get it done. And the reason I'm thinking about this is because we still haven't seen these first overall pick play, and that's Jared Goff. And if Jared Goff isn't ready to play right now, is he gonna be? Is he gonna be that guy? I mean, should we expect a rookie quarterback to come in and be able to play and be functional in today's NFL, given all the training that young quarterbacks get? What's your thoughts on that, PhD? I think the bar for a rookie quarterback should be lowered significantly because it is purely a sink or swim type of culture. The Rams, I think, have it right. They didn't like what they saw in the in the preseason or they didn't feel like he was ready and they're not putting him on like putting him in a position where he has to play. I believe right now he's a third string quarterback. At least he was a couple weeks ago. And he doesn't have the pressure to have to, you know, if a starting quarterback um, isn't playing well, now they have to bring him in. Him being the third-string quarterback or being that low on the depth chart, the fans, they're not if, – if if they're upset with Case Keenum, they're not yelling for Goff uh, to come in. They're yelling for the second-string guy, McManus, uh, whatever his name, Sean Manis, to come in. Um, and I think that takes a lot of pressure off uh, rookie quarterbacks. And so right now there's this pressure to play him right away, and I don't think that's the formula. I really don't. Most of these quarterbacks in, in college, it used to be if you didn't play in a, a, a quote-unquote pro-style offense, you couldn't make it work. Well, we've seen guys come in and make it work in a pro-style offense and not make it work in terms of what they played in, in college. So I don't think – but I think the quarterback position is the toughest, toughest position to project from college to the NFL. And maybe I'm a little bit biased. I'm the guy that said that Achilles Smith would be in the in the uh, Hall of Fame. 
Um, so clearly I can't do that very well. But but I think that organizations, good ones, have failed on quarterbacks consistently. So I don't think there's a rhyme or reason. I think that what Jeff Fisher is doing is potentially could be very effective. It worked with uh, Steve McNair. Steve McNair sat for a year or two, at least, before he got an opportunity. And it was clear that he was a quarterback for the future. So I don't – I just don't think it – it consistently works having to play them right away, which, which as you said, Marcus, is what we've been seeing the last five or ten years. Um, I think they should wait and see what happens and bring these guys along slowly. But the problem is is that these coaches, these coaches know if they don't perform in a year or two, they're going to be out. And so, like, it's just this whole impatient culture in the NFL of win now, show us potential now, or you're gone. And I think it's trickled down to quarterbacks, and that's why we've seen – I mean, look at Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert, what, four or five years ago, six years ago, was a first-round pick in Jacksonville, and he showed glimpses of being maybe somebody that can make it work. There's not a big difference between Dalton and Blaine Gabbert. There just wasn't the first year, other than – Dalton had a better defense, a better run game, and a little bit more stable organization that at least made the playoffs than, than Gabbard. And now Gabbard is about to lose his, or just lost his job in San Francisco. He may not ever get another starting um, opportunity again. So I think you hit on this stuff because that's part of it. Like, even when we talk about Brandon Whedon, he, he, uh, he came into the Cleveland Browns, dumpster fire, dumpster fire. And so I think it's as much – the player as it is the organization uh, really analyzing and really thinking about who they have and how they set them up for success. And I think that some of these organizations, for a lot of it, haven't set their starting players up for success. And and so I think it's a combination of that. And when you look at the ones who failed, you know, you could, you could make an argument. Some of that is as much organizational stuff as it is uh, uh, in terms of the player. I mean, think about the Carr family. One is doing it. The other one went to Houston where he was just getting beat up, and he never rose again. You know, the younger one goes to Oakland, gets a good system. They run the football. is allowed to thrive. Doesn't take as much many hits because they are really trying to set him up to win. So there are some organizational variables here that also add to it, and knowing who you need to fit versus who you need to play. And I, and I agree with that. I think organization and the fit matter. The thing that I'm questioning, though, is, and, again, what I'm looking at are the guys who couldn't get it done as rookies just aren't good. Like, they, were ne- they, were never, they were, weren't good after that. And the guys who at least were functional as rookies have turned out to be functional or better quarterbacks. And so the thing that I'm saying is when we think about our expectations, when your team drafts a quarterback, if that guy can't come in right away and play, you should be scared because Mac, when Steve McNair was playing, the training that young quarterbacks got is vastly, vastly less sophisticated than the training that guys get now. And so I think we're at yeah. a point now where if a guy can't come in as a quarterback and be functional, do, does he have to set the world on fire? No. But if you look at the rookie records for passing, they've all been set in the last – Five to ten, uh, five to ten years by young. Like there aren't any old rookie quarterback records that have been set by guys not from this era, 
And so, like, if guys, and we can go down the list of the guys I named again, like, the guys who didn't do well aren't good. And the guys, even, even you look at a guy like Tannehill, who is in a situation where the organization is kind of in shambles, he still looks like a functional NFL quarterback. It's not like he's totally bombed out and we're like, yeah, that guy just can't play quarterback well. He's just not going to be a good quarterback, even though that organization has been a mess in, his t- in the time he's been there. He's on his third head coach, his fourth or fifth OC, but he still looks like a functional NFL quarterback. The same thing with Alex Smith when he was in San Francisco. Things weren't going well, but he still looked like a functional NFL quarterback. I think if a guy – but Geno Smith has never looked like an NFL quarterback. E.J. Manuel never looked like an NFL quarterback. So it may be hard to project, but once you get a guy in, if you're not – if that guy, you put him on the field and he can't perform, even as a rookie, you might be – you might have a limit because that's what the track record is saying right now. Like the guys who come in and they just can't perform, they aren't – it's because they aren't good. Not because they need more time. It's just they aren't good. It's not because they need a different setting or a different environment. Like Sanchez, he came in and he was functional because he had a great organization around him. When that organization fell apart, he wasn't very good. And he went somewhere else, and he still wasn't very good. You know what I mean? And so, like, and Bradford. Bradford, he went into a bad organization. He got hurt a couple of times. But he's looked like a functional quarterback despite those things. So what I'm saying is, yes, organization matters. And they can take an average guy like Andy Dalton and make him look much better. But Andy Dalton is still a functional quarterback. The thing that I'm saying is, is you could have a – even in, and even Derek Carr, when he first got to the Raiders, they weren't awesome. They had some pieces and some things around them, but they weren't what they – when he got there, they weren't what they are now. Um, but he's a function – he's a good quarterback. And so the thing that I think we may have to think about and consider as we're thinking about this is that, like, guys kind of should be a little bit more – they shouldn't suck. <laughs> Their first year. I think we have to get. I think we should be past that idea that oh, rookie quarterback. I love that analysis. He should struggle. <laughs> yeah, like rookie quarterback, he should struggle. I don't think that's necessary. Like Dak Prescott is a fourth round pick, and he's okay, He's doing fine. He has a lot of good support around him. Good running game. Good O line. But even then, a fourth round pick should be over his head, right? If he's not, if he's, if he's really a fourth round pick, if he's just not going to be good. Same thing with Russell Wilson. If he's just not, and Russell Wilson has continued throughout the transitions of that roster, he's proven himself to still be a very good player. And it wasn't just the system around him. He's become kind of the system in Seattle now um, because of his talent. And I think the same thing with Dak Prescott. This first year, the system is going to kind of carry him through and allow him to be successful. But I think at some point, Dak Prescott is going to become the guy who then becomes the system. Um, and the system is Dak Prescott, and the system's built around him. Um, and the, there are other guys who that just hasn't happened for. Um, there are other guys who just they haven't been good, and they're not. And so I think, again, like Peyton Manning, like threw like thirty interceptions his first year as a rookie, and we were like, eh, that's supposed to happen. You know, that, that's nothing. He'll be fine. You know what I mean? Where nowadays, I think if your guy is not good that first year, I think you have to really question whether or not you have the guy. I really do. Because they shouldn't be that bad. That's my thing. I, I just think the, the expectation that, yeah, rookie quarterbacks should suck, I think is a bit outdated, and I think we have to raise the bar slightly and start to think about it as they should be they – need, they need a lot of stuff around them, but you should see it, right? Like Carson Wentz. But how, like, how much you would you attribute that to 
how much would you attribute that to people taking hits? So some of those cats are taking a lot more hits and knockdowns than some of them. So Prescott is playing well, but he's also not taking as many of those hits and knockdowns. You look at some of these guys who are doing well. I mean, so some of it's scheme as well as, you know, there's some people who just, some of it's just bad scouting by teams, right? Just bad scouting. You know, because I, I, some of it's like you and I could have told them they shouldn't have drafted them. We probably did say that. So, so that's part of his bad scouting. But for someone we thought was going, like Prescott went lower because he had that incident, but it was a alcohol related incident. I think people started looking at him different, and that that's what dropped him to the fourth round. But I think part of that he was a higher graded quarterback until he got to that little incident. But some of it is like people scheme well too. They scheme well for the young quarterbacks. They don't ask them to do. It. They roll them out. They even when you look at Mariota. They didn't try to make him do anything as a rookie that he wasn't capable of doing. They kind of gradually built things in. So I, I do think the ones I see, I get gun shy. You know, if you look at how many times those folks get hit, and when you get hit in the NFL as, as much as you can as a rookie, you get gun shy. Then you are shot, and I think that's where you're right. You know, if they're taking a beating and they, they look like they're coming out and their eyes look glassy, then you're probably right. You need to be, you know, if they can't get up for a standing eight count, you might have to go look for another quarterback. Right. And and, and, I, and I agree with what you're saying. I think most teams try and put their rookies in position to be successful. You saw that with RG3. Um, and, and that's why I think, like, if a guy, if the team is trying to, like, set stuff up for you to be successful and you still suck, might be a problem. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, that's exactly it, right? <laughs> They they they're putting you in situations where you should be successful and you still mess it up, brother. That's you. Yeah. <laughs> like they they're, they're moving yeah. you around. They're trying to they're trying to cater the playbook to you. They're switching stuff up. Still struggling. Yeah. You just might not be that good. You know. But you, um, but you also. So that's, that's are, but those are also Tennessee's Tennessee situation isn't great. The O line isn't awesome. Yeah. You know. The, yeah. And Mariota didn't look awful last year. They they were they, that that yeah. franchise yeah. wasn't in a good spot last year as far as talent. And Mariota looked like he was a like. Okay, they got something with Mariota. They got to figure everything else, but Mariota looks solid. Same thing in Tampa. You know, that franchise has been kind of trying to figure itself out for the last couple of years, but Jameis wasn't the issue. You know what I mean? Like, you saw that right away. Okay, Jameis, he, he, if they can figure out the O-line piece and that kind of stuff. And so even with guys getting banged up and being under duress, certain guys still, they look like NFL quarterbacks. And then the guys who don't aren't. And also another variable with that is that some some of those guys like Gino wasn't in the classroom, you know, so they weren't being the student of the game, you know, they weren't in like Mariota. Some of these guys you're talking about, the the the, the thing on them is they eat, sleep, and drink. They in there, they in there studying. Right. And so some of these cats are not. If you don't see if you don't see your young quarterback, the first one in, last one out, that also ought to give you some 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 sign that maybe you need to be thinking about somebody else. Because I think that's a similar fact about a lot of these successful guys. You're hearing that they eating this thing up. They're picking it up. They're studying it like it's a GRE test. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I think it's just an interesting conversation. And as I see more and more young guys come in and they're being successful in the league right away, it's just like it's not supposed to be this easy. But why is yeah. it? Like, you know, you're watching Dak. <laughs> you're, like, I'm waiting on them to have a game where they throw, like, five picks. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it's just like, this isn't how it's supposed to go for a rookie quarterback. It's just not supposed yeah. to go that way. I think the telltale year of whether or not you have a star 
or you have a guy who's just going to be okay, it's year two. And we've talked about yes. that. Like, can you stay ahead of your scouting report, right? So, yes. you know, the team is doing certain things with you, and they're working to your advantages and your strengths. And then, you know, now defensive coordinators have a whole offseason and a whole season of film on you to then examine what they did with you last year, scheme to how to take that away and how to put you in situations where you're compromised and you're not doing – you're not playing to your strengths. That, to me, is the, is the telling year. That's where you see some of those guys who still were able to come out and have a strong rookie campaign, RG3, and part of it was injury for him, um, where, you know, they kind of falter a little bit. And Mark Sanchez, where you saw, okay, maybe it is the – maybe it was always the system, right? The great defense, the strong running game, mm-hmm. you know, the ground and pound. And when he got out of that element and they were asking him to be a true franchise quarterback – he wasn't cut from that cloth. You know, that's just not yeah. who he was. Um, whereas a guy like Joe Flacco, um, you know, he's been able to win them some games with his ability. Um, yeah, they've always had a, a strong infrastructure of defense, um, decent running game, and good coaching with Harbaugh there, but Flacco has been effective. Um, has he been lights out? No, but he's been effective enough where um, mm-hmm. he puts him in a position where they can be successful. So it's it's just something I've been noticing. I wanted to get your guys' opinion on it and see what you guys were thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have another guest in the house. Um, so let's run this real quick, and we'll be back in about two minutes. Listen to Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com, RSC, Renegade Radio. Nothing can stop me, I'm all the way up.
All right, and we're back. You're listening to Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSC, Renegade Radio. I'm going to pass it off to my man D. Will to bring in our next guest. D. Wills, take the wheel. Well, as we've been talking about tonight, the theme is our inaugural uh, RSG Live, uh, athletes in the movement, the need that, that basically started the movement. Um, and, you know, what's great about this is, you know, we get to we get to find a, a really special partners when we do these things. Uh, we're going to be at Carbon World Health uh, at 340 South Whitney Way in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and I'm fortunate tonight to have uh, uh, one of the owner, the lead owner, and a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Nestor Rodriguez, on the on the phone tonight with me. How you doing, Doc? Uh, pretty good. How's everyone doing? How you doing? Uh, we're doing we're doing all right, man. You know, West Coast is in the building. You know, L.A. Uh, all right, all we, right. We love it that you you're here. Um, get let, let people let let um, folks maybe just learn a little bit more about what you're trying to do with Carbon World World Health and and what's a med spa because um, I, I really like that concept that you got um, and, and maybe talk a little bit about you know your vision for your company. Sure. Um, so coming from LA, hopefully the West Coast folks uh, will get the point of here, but we're basically a one-stop shop for health, fitness, and beauty. Traditionally, you know, cosmetic or traditional medical spa is just does with like beauty, like uh, fillers, Botox, facials, uh, has been a separate shop. You know, people with weight issues have been a separate shop. People with hormone issues has been a separate shop. And then fitness has been totally by itself. So what we wanted to do, since we work with a lot of athletes, but also people that um, pretty much train or, or live their life like athletes because they want to be their best in uh, in and outside of, of sports, we wanted to create a high-end place where everything's under one roof. So we're the first ones in Madison to have a, the cryo sauna. Um, we have IV drips for people. We have hormone replacement, weight loss, and also unlimited personal training. You know, facility unlike any other. Use technology to actually get results and prove it to clients. So our vision is basically to provide what normally is just for high-end clients or extremely elite athletes and provide it to everyday people that uh, want to push themselves to the next level. So that's kind of the company started, and our goal is to kind of expand in different places, but we want to start in, in Madison since we have roots here. We also have a, a side of our business that's kind of philanthropy and try to we pick uh, underrepresented communities, single-parent moms, um, kids coming out of incarceration to help out. A lot of these times uh, these groups are either just handed stuff or not providing the services to get back on their feet or to kind of get above their situation. So we're doing a bunch of different cool uh, projects to get people talking about it, get people to know about their issues, but also then support long-term programs. See, and that's why, you know, I know when you and I uh, spoke, you know, you know, I was looking for a signature sponsor, and uh, I know it just made sense. And then uh, when I walked into your space, I was like, okay, this feels like RC Live. We can we can do this here. Um, you know, we're talking about a very important issue. Um, you know, why was this issue um, very important for you to be a part of in this kind of discussion? I know you and I have talked offline about this, but, you know, maybe share with our listeners why, you know, you think, you know, particularly as a corporation, as a company, why – why businesses need to also be in, involved in this dialogue. 
Yes, I think, you know, it's interesting. So I grew up, uh, I was born in El Salvador in the Civil War, moved and grew up in South Central L.A. So left one war for a different kind of racial gang war during the 80s. I uh, kind of grew up out of that environment and kind of made it living the American dream. But as a business, um, having worked in both academic medicine and corporate America, you have to be proactive as a business. You can't just wait till something happens and then kind of get caught with your pants down in terms of, like, oh, how are we going to respond? What are we going to say? Uh, for us, it's really walking the walk. If we really want to tackle diversity and um, and high-end businesses and sports, it's like, all right, let's create the venues or uh, roundtables to actually start getting people moving. You know, as a fellow minority you know, you get tired of going to your usual minority or diversity talk because we, we know what the problems are. Now we got to fix it. Uh, at the same time, I believe you got to have an open forum where, look, people don't know what you don't know. Uh, if I'm not going to listen, yeah. I'm just going to be pissed off and be like, hey, you held me back. Uh, well, really, they didn't hold you back. Uh, I used to think that, actually, um, to, to be completely honest, growing up in the inner city, I played a lot of my problems with white people, and, I was, and then I went to Yale, and I was like, wait, these people don't even know who I am. Um, you know, there's systematic problems, but to develop all these stereotypes and be able to talk about it, these conversations are supposed to make you uncomfortable, but uh, get beyond that uncomfortableness and actually talk about it. And, you know, we talked offline in terms of Kaepernick instead of best, where, you know, athletes do sponsorships, and, and that's not bad on the athlete, but it looks bad on the company. Um, even trying yeah. to set up this, this event here, right? There were certain people that yeah. uh, said, hey, we'll pass on this event because it's too controversial, or hey, we'll pass on this event because we don't know what it's going to come out. Well, as a company, you got to take that risk and actually support people and give them that opportunity to talk. So when you brought that to us, we're going to jump on this and do it. Whatever you need, we'll make it happen. See, this is what I'm talking about. So y'all understanding the, the vision, and, and, and I think what I've learned through this process and also working with you is that, you know, um, just like you said it, you know, a lot of people are faint of heart. They're not, they're not really able to step into it. And what I really appreciated by about the partnership with Carbon uh, World Health is that, you know, y'all, y'all are walking that walk and, and, and you're not afraid to do it. And I thought that was a really good brand alignment for us uh, with real sports guys. Um, you know, at, at the end of the night, you know, you and I sat through and, we, you know, we were, we were going through the program and trying to think about the vision for the night. Uh, you know, uh, Marcus, who's uh, uh, on the show with us tonight, will be there tonight, uh, be there that night. But what's your hope and goal from that evening? What do you hope that, you know, we might accomplish uh, uh, that evening? Uh, so one is actually to, to just, in a, uh open forum, really talk about it, let the politics, let all that aside, and actually speak from the heart and, and realize there's pain, and pain comes from many different reasons. And that's all right. We can be uncomfortable, but let's get beyond that and actually talk about the situations and try to learn from the other perspectives. You know, we're probably one of the few groups that have got, uh, when you look at, when, when you kind of promote this type of show, you would think, all right, it's all minority athletes, but no, look, we have a Caucasian athlete, someone that gave up their career when a lot of people were like, you're crazy. Why would you do that? We have another athlete that's kind of overcome a lot of things and challenged the system. Bringing them together brings a lot of knowledge and background from different perspectives. So for me, it's, it's just a start. Um, from there to actually get the heads together, be truthful when they call people out when we need to call them out, and actually get action going rather than uh, just talking about talking. See, now you understand. You know, people have uh, been, uh, been listening to us, watching it. You, you see where this is going. Um, 
Well, I'm certainly happy that the partner with you. One of the things I want to say is that Carbon World Health will be a signature sponsor on the RSG platform, you know, here for the foreseeable future um, uh, into the end of the year um, that, um, you know, we've talked about a long partnership here. And so, you, you know, you're going to, you're going to see this a lot. Uh, we'd love to have uh, Dr. Rodriguez come back. You know, one of the things I need to understand that he also works in emergency medicine. I mean, and so when we start talking about these, you know, physical ailments and a lot of things that are related to athletes, you know, uh, we got our in-house physician in RSG. Uh, as I told him, you know, this is like Wu-Tang. You know, we're not sure who ODB is. That might be Russ. Russ might be ODB, <laughs> uh, one of the trainers. Yeah, Russ is kind of crazy. Uh, he might be ODB <laughs> up in there, but we don't know yet. Uh, but, you, you know, you are – we are now in the RSG fam, man. I'm glad to have you with it. I look forward to having a great event um, uh, at, uh, at your place at Carbon World Health. Uh, there on Whitney Way in, in Madison, Wisconsin. We just had uh, Chris Boylan on earlier. He's excited. Um, texted back and forth with Maurice. He's excited. You know, everybody's ready to go, man. And uh, with your leadership, we've been able to really push this forward. So thank you. No, no I appreciate it. And thank you guys for what you guys are doing. Um, you know, even for the show I was listening earlier to, the way you guys talk about things, that, that's the way we want to actually talk about it, where you, you can sound off and however crazy you want to sound or what your opinion is, we talk about it and just work through it. Uh, a lot of times it just gets too PC. The conversations can't really be pushed. They're like, I wish I could have said that. Well, this is the opportunity to say it. So come on out, check it out, and we appreciate the partnership, and then great things to come. All right. This is uh, Dr. Nestor Rodriguez. He's one of the owners for Carbon World Health. Hey, y'all, if y'all not in there, it's filling up right now. You know, we had to open up some other seats. We had to push it, and and now we're about to take this thing to the next level. Game changer. Can you feel the vision, man? You're going to be in there Thursday night, man. Are you ready? I can't wait, man. And, and I, again, I thank Ernesto for his support. And, and again, Suge, man, you outdone yourself, brother. Putting this together, I'm looking forward to this opportunity. Again, uh, that's what this platform is about for us. It's just we love sport. Um, we love talking about sports. We love talking about sports and having real conversations around stuff, though. You know, and that's the thing that that's the kind of platform we want to create. We want to create a space where real conversations can be had, where you know we're going to get viewpoints, diverse viewpoints from across the board. We aren't censoring ourselves because we're worried about you know who's going to be losing sponsors at the next commercial break. Um, we're just going to tell it like it is, have a great conversation yeah. about it, and hopefully find common ground and, and hopefully move a conversation forward. And it's going to be a tough conversation. It's going to be t- times that things are uncomfortable. And, you know, I just appreciate Ernesto helping us um, push forward this platform and, and providing a space to have some conversations. Because sports is a realm where people are comfortable um, understanding each other a little bit more so than in, in, in other walks of life. And so having these conversations around sports um, is probably – sports can be a, a, a facilitator. Um, to having these conversations because sports is one of the most diverse realms of industry in the world, um, at least in the U.S. Um, there's not very many um, industries that are more diverse than athletics. And so people usually come into a conversation with a bit more of an open mind, um, which allows us to kind of have some really tough conversations. Um, and, and sport allows us to kind of uh, a platform to do that. So, um, I'm excited, man. I'm really excited about this opportunity. Yeah. And, and, man, like and, I said, you've outdone yourself, Suge. 
Yeah, and I also want to give thanks to, we have some community partners, uh, Wisconsin Equity Inclusion Laboratory, as well as the Urban League of Greater Madison, um, and the Latino uh, Professional Association uh, will be involved, and also Pro Squared. Uh, we got Bob Wynn, Bob is probably listening, and we're going to get Bob on. Bob is going to be having a lunch on Thursday um, that is going to be incredible, talking about the intersection between sports and business and Chris uh, will be there. Brandon Williams, who played at Wisconsin, will be there as well, along with Maurice Corrette. We've got a you know, full day of things. But, you know, Bob is like Al Heyman. You know, Bob's that cat that's head of the game. You know, if you listen to boxing and you hear Mayweather and them, they say, you know, sometimes they erroneously would think God, then Al Heyman. You know, they should go Al Heyman, then God. But I'm not going to get into that. But, <laughs> but – Bob Wynn, Bob Wynn is like Al Heyman, and uh, he's the guy who's thinking above, and he's he's advising folks. He's he's been there, and he's a partner here, and we'll we'll see more from Pro Squared as well on this, and uh, we'll have him on the air, and just a lot of things that he's done to also try to build capacity and help athletes be in a position uh, to have a voice. And so I want to make sure that we we, we also recognize those community sponsors, uh, partners that we have that will be part of this event uh, as well. Woo! That's it, y'all. I'm just, I'm done. I feel, I feel like I'm worn out right now. <laughs> well, you've been working it, man. You've been working it. Um, before we kind of shift gears and talk a little NBA before we close out the show, I do want to kind of get our picks. All right, I got, I got a little document set up. We're gonna keep track of these picks this time, fellas. So I got a document set up. All right, I'm gonna load up the picks and we're gonna keep track. Of, we're gonna keep track. I got, I, I got know. a word document set up. I'm putting oh, funny math. I don't know, I'm Mark. Plugging them in. As soon as you get a game or two behind the, you know, <laughs> the keeping of the see, record. I'm, I see. I, I, it's a word document. Before I was doing it on notebook paper, and I would always lose my little sheet of paper. <laughs> mm. <laughs> this it, document is gonna be with me wherever I got it on my flash drive. It's gonna be with me wherever I can. I can just pull it up and be like, "This is what you picked last week." So wow, we gonna Look see. At you. It sounds like you've heard of the cloud. At some point in 2016, yes. that's great. Yes, right, right. I got rid of the sheet of paper. <laughs> I got rid of the notebook paper. Remember that back in the day, you used to take a math test, and they'd be like, you could have one sheet of scratch paper. Oh, yes, yes. That's what I, I was writing our scores stuff. on, man. That's what I was writing our picks on. I was writing them on a scratch paper. So they would come over, wow. you know, my kids would come over to the computer desk and start messing with stuff, and then, you know, they move daddy papers around, and I can't find it. And I can't find it anymore. You like a book in Hollow Nights right now. You like a book in Hollow Nights running them numbers on a piece of paper. Hey. Uh-uh. Hey. All right, so we got our game. So first game, right. playing who you got. I give you the game. You tell me who you got. We got the San Francisco 49ers facing off against the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills have been surprisingly effective this year. Um, I think they're sitting at four and one, if I'm not mistaken, um, or three and two, right in second place behind the New England Patriots, um, having beaten the Patriots in the last game before Brady came back. Um, but this is a special game, and I wanted to kind of highlight this game because Cap is coming back. So Kaepernick is coming back. And man, I, I just I just want this brother to play well, man. I want him to play well so bad. I want him to make people mad. I just want him to make people mad. I really do. <laughs> I just want him to ball, and I want him to celebrate in the end zone and just do something to make people mad. 
because I, 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 you know, a lot of folks are saying, well, he's a backup. He needs to shut up. Well, now he's the starter. So, yeah, that whole, like, backup shouldn't talk thing, yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm picking San Francisco in this one. I'm picking San Francisco to win this one. Yes, it's a West Coast team going east, and that usually doesn't work out well. I just think San Francisco is going to have a different energy because I think Cap is going to get booed. I think he's going to get booed hard. And I think his guys are going to rally around him, though. I think his guys are going to rally around him. And I think I think we're going to see a little bit of a run. I think this is going to energize the 49ers a little bit. Um, they still, unfortunately, have Chip Kelly as a coach. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just kind of I'm kind of weary of Chip's style. Yeah, like we know it, it, it's horrible for the defense. He's doing a better job this year of running the ball and trying to, you know, manage clock a little bit and keep his defense kind of fresh. But um, I'm, I'm going with San Francisco. Who you got in this one, PhD? I'm going with San Fran as well for the same reasons. I'll, I'll, yes, I'm going with San Francisco. All right. D- yeah, Will, you, you already know what there. I'm doing. I'm going. You know, you already know. I'm, I'm, I might, right, I might put a wig too. on. All right, the next game we got is Seattle versus Atlanta. I will start with UPHD. Who are you taking and why? I'm going with Atlanta because Julio went for 300 yards and Matt Ryan, well, we're not going to talk about what he did because he always has one of those freakish games and then comes back down to earth. But Julio, Julio went for 300 yards two weeks ago and then got pretty much shut out last week. He's due for a monster game, and Seattle can't score more than 16 points. So I think Julio by himself is going to get in the end zone twice. So I like Seattle. I'm sorry, I like Atlanta. Okay. So I got you down for ATL. I am typing ATL right now into the document. ATL, type in. Are you Are you <laughs> saving it? I'm going to save it. Absolutely, I'm going to save it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. But the thing I want to say about you know sometimes I feel like I feel like God is playing video games and we're just watching his him play video games right <laughs> I know this is weird mm-hmm. um, like I feel like God is playing a, a season of Madden and he played that week like you know how you do a franchise mode and you like simulate some games and then you play some and then you simulate some like when Julio had three hundred yards God was like I need to get Julio stats up. <laughs> I'm just going to play right. this game and I'm throwing a Julio every time. <laughs> and then the next week he simulated. Like last week he simulated. And then Julio didn't like get no it. production. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking Atlanta too because I like Atlanta at home. All right. I like Atlanta at home. Um, I think I think they're always tough in the dome. And like you said, I think Ryan and Julio are due for a bounce back game. Um, they put up 23 points on Denver's defense, which had looked lights out. Um, up until last week. Um, so, you know, I think that offense in Atlanta is legit. Not only do you have Julio and Matt Ryan, but you have two running backs who are playing really well in Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Um, so uh, I like them. Seattle's been struggling to put points on the board. I think they're going to have to keep pace with Atlanta, and I think they're going to struggle on the road because, again, you got a West Coast team coming east. D. Wills, who you got? Uh, I'm going to go against that. Uh, you know, I think as, as much as they've been scoring points, they've been giving up 28 a game, and they've been giving up a total of 400 yards a game on defense. That defense, Atlanta still hasn't figured out how to play defense. And 
And as you say, Ryan can be up and down. Um, I think this is a great challenge for the Seattle defense. Uh, they only allow on 13.5 points a game. And so, and I think the difference between Denver and Seattle is I think uh, Seattle can, they, the quarterback, I mean, I think that, um, I just think Seattle will figure out how to win. I think it'll be lower scoring, and I think Seattle will sneak one out. I don't know why I feel that way, but I think they'll do it. Okay. All right. You got it right to feel that way. You're going to start us off with this next game, though, too. We got one and four New Orleans versus one and four Carolina. Something's got to give. Somebody's either going to stay in it or somebody's going to kind of pretty much be out of it um, unless they really turn things around. And I mean, like 10 straight wins. If you get to one and five, it's really tough to make the playoffs nowadays. Um, Devon, who are you taking in this game? It's New Orleans at Carolina. It's going to be Cam. People clowning Cam about being on that. Uh, that contraption, not being there talking. And when you talk about Cam, Cam finds a way to show up. I think Cam is about to pull the Superman gear out, and uh, he about this thing. So I'm going Carolina. I, and I agree with you. I think Cam likes to make people mad. <laughs> like, when you're when you on Cam's side, Cam don't play that well. When you mad at Cam, Cam ball just to spite you. <laughs> He's a spiteful athlete. <laughs> Like, he, he plays with, like, an old lady somewhere need to write a, a, a open letter. We talked about this open letter thing, right? We need an old soccer mom somewhere to write an open letter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we need a soccer mom somewhere to write an open letter about her disgust with Cam Newton to get him back on track. Um, I'm going Carolina as well. I think Carolina is going to figure it out and kind of get back on track. I still think they are who we thought they were, which is a really good team. They've been struggling. They didn't have Cam last week. It was a real bad week not to have Cam Newton because um, they needed that win. They weren't able to pull it out. Um, but they fought. They fought hard, and they had a chance. Um, PhD, who you got, Carolina or New Orleans? I'm taking oh, – this is a tough one. I'm going to go with the home team, New Orleans, because I'm not convinced that Cam Newton even plays this week. I think Carolina's out. So I'm going to go with New Orleans. All right. Oh, take it, you know. um, yeah, uh, no, no, no. They are playing in New Orleans. Um, are they? I yes, yes. I'm positive. Okay. Um, I am. I'm going with New Orleans because I don't think Cam plays. Hmm. Well, yeah. If Cam don't play, I want to change my pick too. <laughs> <laughs> well, they said he's gonna play. I thought I heard the change. This is all contingent upon Cam playing. <laughs> so, so you got new ones. I got Carolina. D. Wills, you got Carolina. Yep. I'm gonna stick with Carolina. Um, the next game, Cincinnati at New England. Um, I'm going with Brady. I'm sorry. I just I'm not messing with Tom Brady. All right, Tom Brady came back. He jumped off the beach. Fresh off the beach, had a nice tan, body right, just just like re- rejuvenated. And he came out and just flung the ball around like it was nobody's business. I mean, hey, listen, Brady's a bad man. Um, I'm, I'm going with Tom Brady. I don't know about y'all. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, man, you can't go wrong, um, especially at home. Cincinnati's a good team, but they're not beating New England at home. Um, not unless Brady gets hurt. Good luck with that, though. Um, 
Devon, who you got? I'm gonna go with Brady because he gonna play. He gonna play because he thinks Trump Trump is gonna lose. You know that's his guy. So he gonna play with anger. And uh, we gonna we gonna. <laughs> Let's not even. We not even gonna get on Trump, man. That I'm gonna leave it alone. Man, I swear. Listen, I, I just gotta say this, man. I've been in a lot of locker rooms. I've been around locker rooms since I was 14 years old, man. I ain't never heard that word used in that way before in my life. <laughs> Like this is unacceptable, dog. Like, nah, man. Don't don't blame that on locker rooms, man. Don't blame that on locker. Don't blame that on the locker rooms. Come on, locker rooms get enough bad. They got a bad rep as it is. They don't need you scapegoating the locker room. They ain't got nothing to do with no locker room, dog. You dirty. <laughs> you filthy, man. You just a dirty I, old and man. I don't know if he even, did he even play sports? Like I, that's the thing. I don't know if he even other than right. Never mind. I'm leave it alone. We're lock- he in the locker room where they serve drinks. <laughs> yeah. No you know what I mean? They got like a concierge and a towel guy. You know, he ain't in no type of locker room I've ever been in. And, again, man, the stuff he's talking about, yeah, it just that's some other stuff. <laughs> that's just some other stuff. <laughs> PhD, who you got, Cincinnati or New England? I'm going to go with Cincinnati. I think, mm. I think that Brady looked – Really good last week, but he was playing against the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> so you just gonna throw the land under the bus like that? That's right. <laughs> you are. You, 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 I, I guess, guess you, you can are do that. That's, that's your home team. <laughs> you are making a yeah. good point. That's your home team. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. The Indians still playing. You know. Shout out to Joe Boo. City of Champions. City of Champions. Right, right, right. You know, Ricky Vaughn, he, is Ricky Vaughn still pitching? <laughs> <laughs> you see what oh, I did there? Did you see? Did you catch that? I know, I know. You yeah, know. Major League, I got you. I got you. Major all League, right, I all got right. You. you know, give yeah. me Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> give all me right. Ricky. <laughs> right. <laughs> Next game, we got the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, and Ezekiel Elliott. Man, Zeke has been my friend. Zeke, man, yeah. he is he is carrying me in fantasy football. Shout out to Zeke Elliott, man. Hey, dude is dude is balling. I might get a, I might get a <laughs> Zeke Elliott jersey just because it's twenty one. You feel me? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Phil, who are you taking in this game and why? Um, this was the toughest one for me. Um, the Cowboys, the Cowboys, I'm still not quite believing in the Cowboys. And I've been burned by the Cowboys for so much, for so long. With them, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. They win a championship. But Prescott, he looks good. I'm going to go with Green Bay, though, because um, I like the way Cobb, uh, Reggie Cobb, looked last week. And it was almost like two years ago when, you know, Nelson was looking good, Cobb was looking good, the running game was starting to come together. That's a tough offense to deal with when they have, 
you know, two or three guys that, that Rodgers can get the ball to. So I'm going to go with Green Bay. Dallas has had a tough time putting pressure on the quarterback for most of this, you know, the early part of the season. And if you can't get pressure on Rodgers, forget about it. So I'm going with uh, Green Bay and it's my show. Okay. As you were going through that PhD, I had a flashback to like circa 2001 Royster. Because <laughs> he was like, <laughs> you know, I didn't mess with Dallas before and it didn't work out. <laughs> So right. I'm right. really gonna kind of not mess with them no more, and you know, like, <laughs> oh man, right? Like you was gonna judge, like you was like, no, it was just, right. it was, it just the way you, the way you were speaking and your your tonage and, and the way you were saying it, just I was like, I was like Royster, like critiquing dudes. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> Like yeah, you know I messed with that kind of dude before, and it didn't work out. So I don't really they they all follow it. I'm gonna try these oh, guys. Shout <laughs> <laughs> oh, out to Royce. Shout out to Royce. I'm killing in her league too. Uh, I'm killing in her fantasy football league as well. My team is my my teams are unstoppable. I think I might win multiple championships again this year. Um, I think I'm undefeated. Just, Am I undefeated just, in our league? I think I'm did you play me Am yet? Did you play me yet? I, I think I beat you already. Yeah, I think I beat that was you before already. Le'Veon came back. Though. That was Le'Veon yeah. came back, and I had doing. the highest point total the last two weeks. Yeah, you know what I was I saw, doing. I, saw what I had to suck it up those first three you. weeks. I saw you. But I got I Le'Veon in deep. Yeah, I'm coming on like gangbusters now. Zero and three to two and three. I got I got the ultimate I got the ultimate stealer. But we'll leave it alone. <laughs> I got Brown over there. Over there twerking on you. <laughs> hey, man. When they gave him a penalty, man, I felt bad. I was like, he might want to file a, um, a complaint with the uh, ACLU. <laughs> like, he just twerked. <laughs> Grown man can't twerk at the court. Take down with that. <laughs> I'm saying, look at the ACLU. Yeah, you man, you got you to gotta have a right to twerk. I mean, come on. You know, yeah, who, yeah. Who's throwing the flag? See the Lord Tucker? You know, see the Lord Tucker throwing flag now? I mean, who mad at twerking? <laughs> 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 I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. I'm saying, I'm with you, man. Like the NFL lost their like, mind. Yeah, yeah, I watched it. I laughed. He, he wasn't twerking like, hey, Come look at this. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't a targeted work. No. <laughs> he was celebrating. You know, hey, who you got in the game, D Will? I was, man. I was. I was like, you get it. Wait, you getting the flag for twerking? Come on, man. How is that? Who is mad? Who is mad? Who on the field is mad that this brother got in the end zone and did four twerks? <laughs> he said he did like two too many. You know what I'm saying? He did four twerks. Four twerks? We throwing flags exactly. on four twerks. Come on, brother. Please. Oh. Please. Well, I'm gonna go, in, in a game like this, you got to go with the home team, man. More Green Bay. When it's this evening, go with the home crowd. Lambo. Okay. I'm taking Dallas. Um, I'm a, I've watched Dallas a couple of times. Like I said, I'm all in on Zeke and Dak. That O-line is legit. Green Bay's defense is a little suspect, 
Um, and I think that they can be run on. They haven't really faced a strong running game yet. Um, I agree. And I, I think, I think, I think they got something for Green Bay. I think up front, Green Bay hasn't been tested. This is going to be a test. They're not going to see a line like this. And Zeke is, Zeke is doing what a young running back should do with a really good offensive line: kicking butt and taking names. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Zeke, Zeke come out the huddle like I came here, you know, to chew bubble gum and kick butt, and I'm all out of bubble gum. <laughs> so, D. Wills, you're going to close us out with this last one, AFC West matchup. We got the Kansas City Chiefs versus the young Oakland Raiders. Who you got and why? I'm going with the Raiders. I just think Jack Del Rio, when he went for it early in the year, he gave his team confidence. Um, they battle; they're, they're battling. Um, I just and I've said, I, I think I said the Raiders are going to make the playoffs. This is a game they got to win if I'm going to be right. Okay, and you're right, man. I feel like the Raiders are like already like I think it's a done deal. They're going to move to Vegas because they're already embracing like this gambling mentality. Like they scored on the fourth down last week. Like, they went for it yeah. on fourth down last week. And, and for some reason, the only time Crabtree catch passes is on fourth down <laughs> or two-point conversions. <laughs> like, when he's not supposed to catch the ball, that's the only time Crabtree catch the ball. Um, <laughs> but they went for it again on fourth down, and, fourth, and, and they threw a touchdown pass. Like, they're passing on fourth down. It's not like they four for one. You know, you got a six-foot-five quarterback. You just lean over, fall over for a yard. Nah, they going. I mean, they, they going for it. I mean, they, they seize his palace going forward. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I got Oakland as well in this one. I'm not a big fan of KC. They're just not very dynamic. Spencer Ware has been a nice story to start the year. Jamal Charles. Um, I don't know, it, may be, it may be a wrap, you know, but I just feel like that offense isn't explosive enough and their defense isn't stout enough to make up for the lack of punch in the offense. So I'm going with Oakland. I think Oakland is, is tight on both sides of the ball. Um, and they can get you in a lot. Of, they can beat you in a lot of different ways. They can Outscore you, they can hold you to a low point total. Um, so I like Oakland a lot. PhD, who do you have in this one? I like Kansas City because mm. they have going against the grain. One of the best. Yes, they have one of the best coaches who has ever coached in the NFL, Andy Reid. What do you think about that? Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I take now, I'm not gonna be. I mean, Andy's coaching. I take I'm alert. Gonna get mad at you. <laughs> Oh my god. I'm gonna get a buzzer sound effect uh, when we get some hot oh, when we have a hot takeaway, man. man. I'm gonna get a buzzer sound effect. And Donovan McNabb is on ESPN every time I hear Donovan, I just feel bad for him and just think, Andy <laughs> Man gets so much credit. I mean they love on him, man. And my boy Tomlin killing him and they 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 love on Andy Reid. And all he do is eight and eight. But I'll leave it alone. We'll see. Uh, well, I'll let you have him. He's my he's my coach's version of D'Angelo Williams. Maybe he'll have one of mm. these D'Angelo Williams seasons. Mm. Okay. All right. All right. Well, fellas, I want to close this out. Um, talk a little bit NBA for a couple minutes um, as we wrap up this podcast. Uh, NBA season is closely um, creeping up on us. Uh, we got the league back run up and running by request. PhD wanting to defend his title. Um, what, are, what, what, are, what is one thing that – one question 
that you feel like will be answered for you in 2016 as far as the NBA goes? Uh, PAZ, why don't you start us off? One question. Damn. One question. Um, wow. Uh, so, hey, I'm going to try to go underneath the radar and do two. Uh, one, the first question is, do the Detroit Pistons make that next step to be one of the top two or three teams in the East? I saw a lot out of them in the first round when I believe they got swept by um, Cleveland. But I like the scrap. I liked what I saw against Cleveland in the first round. And I I like what Van Gundy is building there. I think they have the potential to be, you know, kind of take over where, um, you know, Chicago was and Atlanta had been the last couple of years. I think they could be a two, a two three, four seed in the East. The second thing is, is, is this the year we take a big step forward with LeBron and say, you know what, he's done enough to have this conversation with him and Mike? <laughs> James hit over there. James hit over there quiet. Man, Chicago, honey. Can't let him do it. Yeah, that. Yeah, that point only needed like seven words. I just wanted to put it out there and let it sit. <laughs> I got you queued up. I got you queued up. <laughs> let it breathe for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I need some friend. I'm with you, and I'm with you on that one, PhD. I, I think I think it's time. I mean, this brother's 13 years into his career. If we can't appropriately begin to place this guy, um, and if, if you can't be definitive about how you feel about him at this point, then you're just a fence rider. Like you just you're just a fence rider. Like make a make a decision. Where is he? Like, what else does he need to do? I mean, yeah, he could win a couple more championships, but, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, well, I, well, he's got to I, I think be. it's time for us to do our list again. It's time for us to do our list in, you know, in a few months. Remember, we did that list a long time ago. You know, yeah, it was good that, that, that was breathe wild, a little bit. It's time to, it's time to update it. It's time to revisit our it's list. It's time to update it. Yeah, because it, it's just time, man. I think, like, again, I mean, I told PhD he's my he's in my top five and he's he's definitely moving toward the end of the table in in those those top three seats the two corner seat in the head of the table spot he 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 yeah. he he getting real close like he moving his plate over yeah. like real close <laughs> to those top yeah. to one of those top three spots you know what I mean and I don't think reaching for the hot that. reaching for the hot sauce and Mike done slapped him on the hand and he looked he looked at him like he was crazy. He, that's where he at right now. Hey. He and Michael look hey. at him. And LeBron like, looked back at him like what? <laughs> and LeBron looked back at him like what? So D Wills, what questions what questions are you interested to see answered um this upcoming season in the NBA? Are the Clippers pretenders or contenders? Is this the end? 
we we run the gamut with the Clippers. I know you love Chris Paul. Start playing the music for yourself. You gotta play the music for yourself, game changer. <laughs> you play for I didn't bring him up. But you, but you need to start playing. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you love some Chris Paul, but this is it. All the other stuff, they either gotta do something now, or you gotta think about going in a new direction. Yeah, that's where it, I am it's that, that time. I mean, it's that time. Um, and you know, again, this will be one of the things that I think. The same way we talk about Jordan, and when you talk about Jordan, there's a level of the conversation where you get to where you start to talk about all the guys that didn't get rings because they were born in the wrong five to ten year yep. span. You know what I mean? Like the Reggie Millers, the, the Charles Barkleys, Patrick Ewings, Carl Malone, guys who are all-time great players, the Gary Payton. Well, Gary got one later. Um, the Sean Kemp's, guys who – could have had a crack at a ring, but never quite got it because um, Mike was around. There's going to be a list of guys who are all-time great players but won't get rings um, because of LeBron, um, because LeBron is always in the daggone finals. Um, and you talk about Carmelo and, and, and I got, I, Yeah, and I got one more question I want to add in quick. It, will Westbrook just go ballistic. I, I, I think we're going to have – I think he's got pent-up aggression, and I'm scared of the kind of numbers he might put up. I just, you I, think, I think he, he has pent-up aggression? Well, I think he got some Tasmanian devil. I don't think we've even seen his, how ballistic he can go. I think he – we think he's gone to a level. I think he got another level to go to. I think this offseason has fueled something in him. I'm just scared. I'm literally scared for the rest of the league. I don't know. You know, now you have no Durant in there to even talk to him. I don't know what he's going to do. But I'm interested to see. It's going to be must-see TV. Hey. (laughs) Durant going to be looking at Westbrook singing those Drake lines. You know, you're wearing less and going out more. (laughs) You're wilding. Like, come on, Russ. You know, you ain't got to be up in the club every night. You know, that's how it's going to be, though, Russ. Russ is going to be clubbing every night on the court. He's going to be clubbing every night. Like, I'm single. <laughs> like, he just broke, you know, like, he just broke up. <laughs> He's like, I'm, getting, I'm taking shots and I'm single. <laughs> Let's have some fun. I'm telling you, that's going to be rough. He's going to be, he's gonna be the, gonna the be guy or girl in a nightclub who just broke up. They out with their guys or girls, and they taking shots, and it's about to be one. He's going to be doing that for 82 games. <laughs> and I'm going to try and watch as many of those 82 as I can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna be yeah, he's gonna be in the club like trying stuff he ain't never tried before. What's that? Molly. Yeah, let me see how that looks. Let me see what that's like. <laughs> like dog, he's into this. He's into this. You just got single. You just got single. Mm-hmm. Watch, he's gonna score like fifty five in the very first game. He's gonna go for like fifty five in the very first game. Like I don't have to pass. Like I don't have to pass anymore. <laughs> like this is what it looks like when I don't like, yeah, man. Like nobody gonna say. We gotta come up with a coach gonna be scared. But I think we gotta come up with a good nickname for him and Oladipo because I think 
Um, yeah. You got the Splash Brothers out in Golden State, man. I think they're going to be dunking on people all season. I mean, <laughs> we might want to call them like Suicide Squad or something like that because they're going to be, be murky cats. <laughs> I mean, him and Oladipo. Oladipo had that dunk against the Spanish dude in the preseason, man. I was like, ugh. They're going to ban him from Spain. <laughs> yeah. Listen, so him and Oladipo are going to be hurting real. Oladipo been calling them. They've been on the phone talking. They they ready, hey. man. Hey, man. They're going to be – they're going to be – it's going to be – yeah, I, I like that one. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Um, things I'm, I'm – questions I want to see answers. Um, can James Harden play point guard? Like, I'm interested to see this dude in Dan Tony's system. Right, we know Dan Tony's system is like point guard steroids. Uh, I mean, Ray Felton was a monster in Dan Tony's system when he was with the Knicks, and that was the last time we heard from Raymond Felton. Um, so, I'm interested. Unless you've been to any local rib shack within uh, a 15 mile radius of the city he's playing in that particular night. <laughs> Like Ray keep barbecue sauce things on his jersey because <laughs> he just likes ribs and, and things of that nature. Um, but I digress. Uh, but I'm interested to see Houston and how they kind of begin to really kind of invest in like this is James Harden's team. Um, and now James Harden totally has license to never play defense again because uh, Mike D'Antoni's his coach. <laughs> so I'm sure there will be tons of vinable. Uh, footage where James Harden will be just letting guys go to the basket <laughs> and then turn around, putting his arms up, looking at the help, like, where were you? Um, no, where were you? <laughs> um, the other thing, the other thing, the other question I'm interested to see answer is, like, what is Anthony, how, how what is Anthony Davis' ceiling for real? Um, like, you know, he was supposedly on the cusp of kind of taking things over. And he just kind of faded, um, and we haven't really heard from him um, in a year or two, because, mostly because of injury. Um, but can he get back to being a guy who can single-handedly get a team um, into the playoffs, which is what he did the year before last where, you know, he got the Pelicans into the first round. Um, obviously, they got eliminated, but he got them there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he – you know, because he's probably dropped out of that conversation as top five, top, not top five, but top three. I think there was a moment where you could say he was one of the top three players in the league, him, LeBron, KD. Um, I don't know if he's still top five, maybe top five. You know, if he's not top five, he's right at six, because um, I think it would be hard-pressed. But his, his, his stars lost a little shine. I'm interested to see if he gets it back or if this is a trend where he's going to be one of those guys who's hurt a lot. Um, and the other thing is, I'm I'm, I'm interested to see if Joel and B can break the Greg Oden curse. <laughs> like, if he can break the Oden curse, you know, big men have not right. done well. Or is it the Sam Bowie curse or the Bill Walton curse? I don't know, because uh, this is this is just how it goes, right? The Yao Ming curse. You keep, I can keep naming them. Um, really skilled, great players who just it just. They just couldn't keep doing it, you know. They just couldn't keep doing it because big men and feet, you know. You, it, it, this, a seven-foot body, you know, is not meant to be running like like you have to run to be an NBA basketball player. 
Um, and that, that does a that does a number on your lower extremities. Unless you're just a true freak of nature and you're extremely durable. But even Dwight Howard with all of his freakish gifts, um, is breaking down as he gets older. Um, it's just hard to be that, that size of a human being and, and do what you do athletically. Um, but we'll see. Um, ben Simmons already got hurt, um, so the curse is real. Um, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Um, so those are the things I'm looking forward to. Obviously, there's a ton more I'm looking forward to as far as the NBA goes. Uh, can anybody in the East step up and challenge the Cavs, or will it be just another um, – you know, ragdoll affair um, in the in the uh, Eastern Conference playoffs as it was last year. Will Golden State and Cleveland meet again for the rubber match? Um, that would be just a treat. Um, I would love for because uh, uh, we we need that. We need a, a modern day kind of just rivalry. Again, when you got carpet stores, <laughs> when you got carpet stores in the Greater Cleveland area changing their uh, business signs to say our carpets are softer than Steph Curry. Oh, the hate is real. <laughs> mm. Right, PAZ? The hate mm. is real. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> so that'll do it for this edition of Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another podcast. Make sure you, if you're in the Madison area, make sure you check us out on Thursday night. Maurice Claret, Chris Borland discussing race and athletics. Um, my man Shug did a great job of putting that together. Uh, it's just this dude is amazing, man. This dude is amazing. So I'm looking forward to this event. Um, Till next time, as always, be great and peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.